Hello, I'm the podcaster without fear, Luke. And I'm the uncanny Ryan. I am Kylie the Poodinger. I am the superior Caitlin. And I am the agitated Kyle. And, and we are most of the Nerd Dome Podcast. Every Friday, some variation of this group gets together and talks about all things nerd. The newest stuff in TV, movies, comics, video games, and more. So join us in the Dome every Friday to hear all things nerd. From a bunch of people who are probably a bit too into it. Think of the children! You are a sad, strange little man. You have my baby. Farewell. Oh yeah! Buzz Lightyear, you're, a, you're an action figure! You are a child's plaything! And this is the Buzz Lightyear aisle. Back in 1995, short-sighted retailers did not order enough dolls to meet demand. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast that talks about movie franchises, and we are on the fourth installment of Toy Story, uh, the final for now uh, film in the Toy Story series, and we're finishing it up strong. The toys are all back from the toy box, uh, all, although returning champ Melissa will be... Uh, joining us halfway through the movie um just like just like Bo Peep so uh but I am Andy Wilson your host and hey I'm actually writing some movie reviews again nice crazy like great I just I just wrote one (laughs) up on graphic policy a few weeks ago for um oh what was that it was another oh the uh for Black Adam and uh, I'm gonna do one on Wakanda Forever next week. So Great. that's uh, yeah, good times. Good, good, good. It's time. good to have you back. It's good to be back. I'm yeah. glad to, you know, I'm glad to be getting invites to screenings again. That's nice. You can uh, start doing that. So go, go check my stuff out on Graphic Policy, and I don't know. Um, hit me up in in my DMs and tell us we need to start a patreon or something there you go um andy after hours (laughs) someone who also needs to have an after hours only fans jb flinders thank you you just heard (laughs) i would do it for rajon i would subscribe so hard to your only fans You and two other people, so thank you. <laughs> I, would, I would give you a dollar a month, but I would be like, but these are the rules. It would be a dollar a month to not have to watch it, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I support you, JB. I don't have free time for your nonsense. I, I support you from afar. I feel like it would just, only it would, account. his OnlyFans <laughs> would just be a constant stream of every bad dad joke. It really you would ever be. imagine being read from a bubble bath with JB yeah, in a covered thong. in body hair. Yep, in a thong. <laughs> Just me like diving into a swimming pool telling a dad joke and then, you know, coming up like a Herbal Essences waterfall commercial. Just, how'd you like that one? Like, yeah. Reenactment of uh, Burt Reynolds' uh, sexy photos <laughs> in the 70s. Oh, it? man. Yeah. <laughs> Brooke, are you? Uh, I I set up an OnlyFans account just so I could follow our friend Jay, who has an OnlyFans under the name Mo's Death, M O W S. Oh my God! And oh. it's just 
photos and videos of him doing yard work. Oh, I love uh, with it. his shirt off. It's it's pretty great. So, for people who want hot Jay doing yard work, uh, that's fantastic. Content, go sign up for his OnlyFans at Mo's Def. I mean, <gasps> fuck yes. Uh, yeah, I know. Respectfully, respectfully, Jay. Respectfully, respectfully Jay, and respectfully, Cat. His his lovely yes. wife. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's fantastic. Brooke, how the heck are you? Hey, I am, you know, I do know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> retrograde right now, right? Or some shit. I don't know. I... I've got a bottle of wine in front of me, and I've got my favorite people in the world to talk to online, and Toy Story 4 is playing in the background. So, I'm, I'm pretty good. That's pretty perfect. I agree. Uh, uh, you, you and me in the same boat. Except I don't have wine. Um, I just, I just have a, a Coke. So that's not. There you go. That's not. Well, a it's a very good bottle of wine. It's the Root uh, Carmenera. And if anyone, Root is an Argentinian wine, which is like one of the highest qualities right now because their vineyards are producing so well. So if anyone's looking, any of the Root. They have a tree on the front of it, the big root that goes down, and they're all very delicious. I highly recommend. So what you're saying is the root is on fire. <laughs> you you don't need and no water. Let <laughs> Just drink. this alcohol let, go let higher. The, yeah. <laughs> let the Coca-Cola. Make my blood drink. alcohol go higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Awesome. Um, and I'm drinking straight out of the bottle. Like, oh, this is how classy that we are. I'm, is... I've got on a San Jose hoodie and my Atlanta hat and a bottle of Argentine wine in my hand. And we're going to we're going to do this. This is hey. an OnlyFans waiting to happen. Like where I is know. this content? I, you know, if that is if Jay has an OnlyFans, I mean, I have to tell you guys, I could use the extra cash right now. to pay Legit. Bills. I yeah. Legit. I, I, We've joked a lot about OnlyFans. But maybe it's time. Maybe it's time we do this. I would totes do it. I would I would subscribe to that so hard. Brooke, what is your sign? I'm a Taurus. Okay, hang on. Let me check what you've got here. It says, I think Mars is doing something right now. Taurus, a majorly important moment arise, arrives around the full moon. Relationship or two could change at this time. Abandon your deep-seated beliefs. And a, a relationship with OnlyFans. I agree. Who, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you have okay. six days. Bring it okay. to, bring it to its uh, conclusion. Okay, Sweet. we'll do that. Okay. I'll be the first one to sign up. I went on a date last night, and oh. uh, I just have to say, I got to the end of the day, and he was lovely. It was a great conversation. It was easy. Got a well, got along fine. I just like, I don't think I'm meant to be with men. And that I feel the same I, way. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just realize it, you know. <laughs> this is this is where my life is going. So you can cut all this out of the podcast. No, <laughs> no this is this is the intro to the OnlyFans account, which will this launch the, on the next podcast. Which will launch the on the podcast. next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um so I have no segue out of this, but we still need to introduce it. So I don't know. Do you have a good segue out of this uh let me see so i was going to say 
No, it's okay. I was going to say in response to Brooke's wine that uh, from what I've heard that the Coke is exceptionally good in America this year because the sugar is um, just flowing through all our veins and uh, you can find it because it's going to have polar bears on the bottle, which makes it extra special. Um, yeah, you know, they, polar bear Coke. They got, they got a really... Uh, high quality um, aspartame crop coming out oh. of the chemical factory. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a big fan of the Diet Coke varietal. Yeah, from you know out of you know out of those like California vineyards of yes. you know factories. Uh, but yeah, so uh, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm full of fluff and rage, much like nice. my favorite characters. <laughs> so. This is yep. gonna be another bomb track. Uh, yeah, sounds about right. But hey, Toy Story 4. Uh, so good. Wow. What so a ride. Good. And, you know, I I mean, I think I've said this before. I was so, like, morally opposed to this movie existing. I'm like, why would you ruin this? Toy Story 3 had the perfect ending, and I did not want to like this. And this movie won me over so hard so hard when was when was the first time everybody got to see this do y'all remember a theater experience I, or did you I watch wanna, it at home or i want to say john and i went to go see it opening weekend and i have no idea when it came out but you know 2019 yeah, I was originally, when I heard they were making a fourth Toy Story, I was like, seriously, are you just trying to, like, get the money truck to back up? Yep. But then I saw the Ducky and Bunny preview, and I was like, you know what I like about Pixar? I have no idea what the fuck I'm walking into, but I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> so. I was like, I don't know who the hell this Forky character is, but he can fuck right off. I do <laughs> yeah. not want this guy in here. I don't care if it's Tony Hale. I love him, but no. Hell no. You're not going to win me over with Key and Peele. You're not going to win me over with Bo Peep. Totally won me over. There's not enough money in the banana stand to make me watch this movie. You know, five yeah. minutes into the movie. This might be the best one. I don't know, but my heart breaks. How is it? Is this maybe the best? Right, we'll get to that. We will get to that. JB, do you remember the first time you saw this? Oh, it probably would have been. It wasn't in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, it might have been the first time over COVID. And I remember not paying that much attention to it. And I think probably for the same reasons. Right. Um, I, it was one of those that was just on i don't know if the kids were watching it but it was like nothing really drew me in and i think i realized it was because it was at the beginning part and i mean forky is a character you sort of have to pay attention to to get why he's in it right because right? if you're just walking by and there's this fork looking thing i don't think it like i don't think you you stay attached to it but when you get the context and Oh my gosh! Everything about Forky is so funny. Um, when I when I realized, oh, he he wants to throw himself in the garbage. Oh, the whole trash garbage. Thing. Oh. I'm like, oh, I 
I can relate to that because I am also a garbage oh, person. The whole gag of him continuing to throw himself into trash cans. I mean, it's like 20 minutes of the movie, but it never got old. <laughs> like just every trash, he's running towards it. And, and I think most of us who, who have been around children, I think that's the other funny part about it is Forky is. He's, he's like the kid in the movie, and it's it's just really entertaining. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I just, I watched it and then I watched it again, you know, for this and I just went, wow, I, I really missed so much of this. This is really, I think the, the toy story that's made for the adults. And um, have any of you ever played the video game undertale? Do you know undertale? I know of it. I haven't played it before though. Okay. There's a character in it named Nabsta Bluke. And he okay. is he is a ghost. And when you encounter Nabsta Bluke, he he invites you to just lay down and feel like garbage with him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Forky is the Nabsta Bluke of of this. Uh he is instantly my hero. I love it. Nice. So Brooke, you just watched this for the first time. Fresh eyes, you've just come through the journey of the trilogy. And now you see this. What did what did you think? So I went into it kind of feeling much like all of you. Like, first of all, Toy Story 3 destroyed me emotionally. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I don't know if I have it in me to do this ride again with fucking Toy Story. Destroying my emotions. But um, I think Forky's hilarious. I love how mad he keeps getting at Woody for stopping him from throwing himself in the trash thing that's so funny and um yeah i disagree like i didn't expect it to win me over and i've really enjoyed it so weird is is this the best one though andy i mean is is this did they do all of that to culminate in the the perfect animated film and i don't say that lightly because as you all know i think up is the like my all-time favorite but i mean this is is there a flaw in this movie is it better than the second one even it's so hard to be because i i again if you would have told me even a month ago like yeah, you know what? You're going to rewatch these and you're going to like Toy Story 3 a lot less. And even though you you like Toy Story 4, your estimation's going to go up way more so that it's like competing with two for the best. I would have been like you you are a space ranger. You are you are way out in the galaxy. No way. Um really dang close if it if it isn't and and i think the real reason why is as as i said as we talked about the third one um this goes back and retcons so many problematic elements right and it elevates it and it understands that it had been doing thing, certain things poorly and it showcases that and it changes course and it does something different and new. 
in in a way that I think helps not only the film exist and be great on its own, but really like saves the entire franchise and elevates the entire franchise. So I think they really, really help themselves out of, you know, kind of this hole they dug. And Brooke, to your point, the the whole like Toy Story three was so traumatic. Like this is just wall to wall fun. Um, there there is some like heartbreak, but it is much like easier to deal with. And the parts that make you cry or tug at your heartstrings here are they don't feel traumatic. Um, it's just like, oh, this is like an emotionally mature film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like the like you said, the heartstrings are interesting because I feel like the heartstrings are tugged, but there's the light on the other side, right? Like when yeah. he leaves his friends for a bow, yeah, that's sad, but it's a you know, it's where he should be. Um, even though we can talk about if he's the wet noodle to Bo Peep, because really, what does he bring to the table to her? Come on. Like, it's <laughs> Bo Peep here. Um, you know, but but I, th- I feel like that, like we kind of talked about that in the third one. It's almost like you said, Andy, all this trauma just kind of was the trauma and then it's over. Whereas like all of the stuff in this movie, there's always a, a, a really good conclusion to it. Mm-hmm. So you cry and then you're like, oh, but that's so happy that he gets to go here and these people get to go here. And, you know, everybody kind of ends up in this really nice spot. Um, and I don't know if we got that as much in the third one, um, which is, I, I think, why it might be a little harder to watch. But, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, everybody gets kind of a nice conclusion here. Um, yeah. Yeah, even the even the kaboom. Even um, gets ends up in a nice spot so and I, I feel like the humor in this one it's all of these movies are clever and funny but there's something just so and maybe it's because we just watched three and went right into this one but the the humor just seems so fun again yeah. like it's it's not laden down with all this heavier stuff all around it and it's it's clever it's quirky it's quick and it's um it's so relatable in this very smooth sort of way that just you just sort of chuckle through the whole thing. I liked that. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and and not only that, but it the the humor is like, you know, uh, there's a version of this film that could have been made by DreamWorks or or someone like that and it's like, "Oh, we're going to bring in Key and Peel and they're going to play this like comic duo and we're going to let them riff or whatever. We're going to bring in Tony Hale to be the Durantagonist. Um, And it would have been fine. But here, all of the humor is so tight and it plays to character and it informs themes Mm -hmm. and it informs like the emotional impact and arc of the story. Right. So that, you know, what the funny things that Forky is doing and and Ducky and Bunny are doing like make Woody's and Buzz's and Bo's story more poignant. Yeah. And that that is the masterstroke of this movie. And every and you, everybody's characters 
humor is appropriate. Like when they're giving him the GPS directions, mm -hmm. like everybody's every character, even though they don't have a huge part, every character has just the perfect role to fit for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's funny because we've talked about that. I kind of it kind of felt weird to me because it's like Buzz slowly became. He, he's almost my favorite secondary character in this mm -hmm. movie. Because yeah. he's not really a main character anymore, but he's played so well mm -hmm. as the secondary character, and and everybody really does. Um, I mean, his whole—it's that whole thing where, he, like, he finds his inner voice because he has to become the leader now, right? When right. Woody, leaves. all these things, just these character arcs, like you said, they grow, but they're used perfectly. There, you you are you're totally right. There's not a wasted scene in this whole movie. And, and Buzz is enjoyable. Yeah. Yes. And this shout out to shout out to Magnum PI. Jay Hernandez is the dad. Oh, yeah. Saying, right. saying daddy's going to say some bad words. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he was so good as the dad. It's awesome. And 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 finally, this film has a little melanin in it. It, mm -hmm. it you know it, it has uh, relative parity between uh, male and female characters. It pokes at the the fact that that parody had not existed before uh even to the point where bo peep is like oh yeah these are my sheep they're they're women and they have names and you didn't know that because you never even asked woody <laughs> right you know, the avatar for like you know all things that are kind of older and that came before and it's not that Woody's a bad guy or that he's doing things wrong. It's just that times and circumstances have changed. And he has to learn. Everybody has to learn something in this movie. Everyone goes on an emotional growth arc. And it it's it's just phenomenal. Yeah. I like I can't as I was watching it again, I was just like, I was, I was so impressed because I, there was so much stuff I didn't even pick up on the first time and, and just absolutely loved, um, stuff like, uh, the star Wars toys, uh, Ben <laughs> Kenobi sawing off the guy's arm. Yeah, <laughs> and him not giving the, the not giving the commando a high five, but Kaboom gives him the high five at the end. Right, like the I my favorite. Well, I mean, I have so many, but I love that he couldn't get the dust bunny off him. And they're like, oh, you should name it because I have those toys where it's like, yeah, there is. They do. You just can't get those stupid things off them. And here he is just shaking this stupid dust bunny all over himself. That, that almost made it to my favorite line is that the like. <laughs> them like and the and the fact that it's betty white and carl mm -hmm. reiner and you know uh, carol burnett and what, uh mel brooks like yeah. what, what they're just like riffing best so is that like in the subtitles because you know hard of hearing it's mm -hmm. carol burnett and like <laughs> betty white yeah 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 exactly like everybody's name is a pun and it's mm -hmm. great but the only one i'm remembering right now because i suck at remembering names is cheryl burnett because i was just so delighted by that She's there. yeah so funny this this movie is all killer no filler every single moment where they could pack in another joke there's an extra joke 
and all of the jokes go to the themes of the film. That whole scene is about, like, Woody has to figure out that this isn't 1995 anymore. And, you know, the way he used to do things isn't the way things work in Bonnie's room anymore. And that actually the way he's acting is kind of problematic. He's, like, stepping all over Molly and the other, like, existing toy leadership because he thinks, well, that's the only place that he has value. And it's like, nope. You gotta, you gotta learn to outgrow that. That is, that is a problematic, outmoded way of thinking about yourself and of centering, um, you know, like white male ego in in the center of everything. Yeah, and, I really, I really. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. I was just gonna say, I'm like, I loved, I loved how Dolly said, you know, Bonnie is not Andy, like. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, hey, I appreciate that you're going through something here, but no. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah. I I enjoy this movie even more because if you go to like Common Sense Media, all the super conservative parents give it like one star um, because of the scary dolls and puppets and how bad everybody talks to each other. And I'm like, uh... I'm going to go ahead and give this a five star now just because y'all totally missed the point. It feels like the director of Saw wrote parts of the script. Okay. <laughs> what did Saw movie know? did you see? <laughs> like, Saw wasn't this funny. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, the spork part in Saw. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Not, not that I wanted to give a shout out to Common Sense Media, but I've no, no, but I so many one stars for a great movie. <laughs> there was kind of that backlash too. It's just like because again, I think this film, like very subtly, is is telling that story, and I think it does rankle people because they get it on a subconscious level that what they're being told is subconsciously. The time of Woody and Buzz is over. It's yeah. not that that is wrong or that that is bad. But times change, things change, and you have to adapt and you have to find a new way to have meaning. And um, and this is, you know, still their story of doing that while being, you know, supplanted by a plastic spork with googly eyes yeah so you know i just i i i just think this movie is brilliant and um yeah uh i'm i'm constantly amazed at it um brooke did we interrupt you when you were about to say something else before or uh no my daughter walked in and i thought my thing was on mute and i was telling her that the ipad was in the kitchen oh well that is also (laughs) the ipad is in the kitchen that sounds like a like a like an alexa (laughs) notification (laughs) that sounds like a trixie line when she the ipad (laughs) she only gets tech like once a week now because of some restructuring that we've had to do for a little bit right Um, so this is she finished her reading and walking the dog and so she's 
Nice. She came good. in to ask. But... Good, good, good. I'd rather um... her play with Forky. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, Forky's such a great toy, and that's the speaking of OnlyFans. Go ahead and play with Forky. <laughs> <laughs> but that just took a weird twist. <laughs> <laughs> well, but. Dark this, what, one like, star, one star for this movie being <laughs> written about no, Forky. Again, I watched I watched this with my son, and when Forky showed up, he'd never seen this movie before. Okay. When Forky showed up, he's like, "Oh, I really identify with that because that is exactly how I was when I was a kid. I would make things." And they would be like my favorite thing. And I was so attached to them for so long. And that's, that's just what he would do. He would, we'd get him these Lego sets and he, you know, build the thing that it was supposed to be. He'd build, you know, Tony Stark and his spaceship. And then he'd take it all apart and then he'd build his own little thing. And then he'd be like, this is my new character. And this is his entire backstory. And this is how he relates to all of the other characters that I've created before. And they all live in this giant like universe. And um, you know, and and he's just so attached to this little Lego guy that's made out of like, you know, 20 Lego pieces. And that is his new thing that he's just like so intent on. And and Brooke, I don't know if Prue ever got like that with any mm. of like, Still is. her stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we have Oh gosh, what is his name? I think his name is Mitch. And it's like a balloon it's perfect. that has tape all around it that she's taped on, like pipe cleaners. She still has it. Like I can't throw the damn thing away. Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. And it lives in our house, and it's like that, and Piggy, and Little Piggy, and Big Piggy, like those are her main toys, and we have to keep them. But I was the same way. I remember I had a piece of bazooka gum wrapping, like just the wrapping paper that the gum came in that had the comic strips on it, Uh (laughs) and my brother had given it to me as a kid, and I had this drawer that had my bazooka gum wrapper... And it had like these three happy toy, happy meal toys in it. And I would get them out and I would play with them and tell stories and they would become the new comics from the comic strip. And I would like act them out with the happy meal toys. And my mom came in one day, she's like, well, you don't need these things. And I was like, no. And I would like dug through the trash to find my comic wrapper, like piece of bazooka gum. And I had to find the wrapper and that was just how it was. So yeah. Forky, I expected to be super bugged by Forky, and god damn it, Toy was Story not. 4. Yeah. So perfect. <sighs> and Brooke, you, I, I want to talk to you as a as a, a therapist, a relationship coach, and again, I, I think this goes to again, like, this movie trying to fix problematic elements. Through the entire three previous movies, I've never brought this up before, but there's a lot of bad codependent behavior Mm. about Mm -hmm. like what it means to be a toy. And it's 
really unhealthy in a lot of ways. And I feel like this film also tries to rejigger some of that in a more in a more healthy way. And I, I want to know what you what you like, does that jive with you or am I like going crazy out on a limb here? No, it definitely does. I mean, I think that's part of I think that's part of what makes these movies hit so hard is that we don't really get to see healthy relationship structures in media very often. Like, not very often at all. I can think of one couple on the TV. I think we've talked about it before. The TV show uh, Station 19. Mm-hmm. The, the lesbian couple that's on there that just like really talks about their problems and owns their own shit and like communicates through and gives each other space and these different things and um, uh, but not very many others that I can think of that, that really show us what it's like to be healthy in relationships and there's a part of that that's like okay because it's all external relationships Um, But there's something about these movies that shows the toys in this way that we also internalize because we had our toys that we were dependent on, that we built our own worlds around, that we created entire communities and life structures for. And at least for me, like I really depended on those. I escaped into them a lot and so to to show them and have it be like oh my god <laughs> everything's been unhealthy since the day I got my first toy this is really a lot to process right now um, I think that might be part of why the movies just kind of hit really heavy is because you look at Woody and you're like oh, just like and like in the first movie especially just pull yourself together man like like stop with the the dictatorship of the toy room and these different things and but you watch them evolve and grow and i think that there's so much growth in this last one that you get to see them go through and start to kind of like step into being independent mm-hmm. and and having their own space and I think it sets them up for like to be healthy going forward whether they belong to Andy or Bonnie or whomever right I... it, it shifts it so much that it kind of shifts us with them as an audience and like you, you've said it a few times already it it really corrects some things that were done so poorly and i think that that relationship structure is part of that it's it's beyond just the dis- the things that they did poorly with gender and with power and these other things but it, it's moving them into a healthy space where for kids to emulate that type of behavior we would suddenly be okay with it and and it's all it's all in these internal worlds that like this is bonnie's world even though they're they're all independent toys now they get to grow into that independence and it just feels so much better all around yeah 
So, can, I'd like to piggyback off of that because there there is this major theme of identity that goes through all of the Toy Story movies where, you know, you have Woody struggling with his identity and this fragile, like, self-worth in the first movie and Buzz just comically not knowing who the heck he is through one and two. Um, and I think this one, you see, you see a lot of the, the themes kind of coming back and almost like, oh, we need, we need like five therapist toys in this movie to just go in and help <laughs> everybody deal with their trauma and their relationship issues. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I can't, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which one of you guys talked about like Woody kind of letting go of being a parent to Bonnie. Like he had to let go of Andy. And it's funny because like that, maybe because that stuck in my head, I'm watching Bo Peep run through the movie and she reminds me of me and my friends who like either because of biology or personal choice don't have children. And like the kind of that, like you've had to readjust your behavior and your identity as you know a woman or a non-binary or you know and because society is often like well okay when are you fitting kids into this plan and why aren't you a parent um and i don't think guys get maybe guys get this more now but i feel like you know i still get this as a 42 year old non-binary it's like should i just tattoo yeah. it on my kid like I can't have kids. Sorry, y'all. Um, yeah. Sorry, no kids. Not doing yeah. it. Yeah. No. Um, and so I, I like that Bo Peep seemed to have kind of gone through that, like, metamorphosis already. And she owns who she is. And she has a strong self sense of worth in her future with, you know, without being like, oh, and I have to take care of my kid. Um and, and she, she's a she's a caretaker and a leader mm -hmm. that, and her leadership and nurturing skill set are you know just being used in a different uh, yeah milieu and she but she's still taking care of a community even though yeah she doesn't have a bonnie or a, a molly or a whomever and uh, like uh, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll touch on this last thing, and then I then I'll try and shut up and move on. But like uh, looking at Gabby, Gabby, she kind of reminds me of somebody with bo with oh. body dysmorphia, where it's like she's motivated to. She's a mess. She's, she's a hot right. mess. Um, but it's like she's motivated to engage in this really destructive behavior, and she's being enabled by this creepy ass. Like I can't even with those guys. Um, but I, because she sees herself as, as imperfect and unlovable until her voice box is fixed. And like, she finally like gets the thing done that, that she thinks is going to make her lovable and she doesn't get picked. And so she has to kind of exactly. go through that whole like metamorphosis of going from like having her locus of control being outside of herself, her self-worth being outside of herself to bringing that back into herself 
and choosing to put herself on the line to take care of another human being because she's mm-hmm. realizing that relationships are not about me they're about like us and yeah. us taking care of each other um so yeah definitely i agree with the like there's some really scary codependency but well i um, mean she, but she gabby gabby is like the ultimate in the problematic codependent mm-hmm. framework and you know the it, it it's a very adult story too where you're like oh you know if only i lost 15 pounds or uh if only i got some plastic surgery or if only i did this one thing then this person who i am pining for will love me and it's like me or yeah or accept me or whatever it is and the the story at the end of the day is like that person never noticed you because they're just not receptive to your energy and at some point you have to learn to move on and stop putting energy into people who aren't putting energy into you and you've Mm -hmm. gotta you know you, you just you just gotta move on that and regardless of uh you know perceived um uh whether you call it a disability or defect or you know whatever whatever it is that that you think is quote unquote wrong with you that is the impediment to this person you're crushing on like paying attention to you and and maybe i'm projecting a little too much on this but um, but I, I really felt like that was Gabby Gabby's story too, like very adult and, and bl- just completely blowing up the whole codependency thing. You know, I, it comes back to what I was thinking about, like Toy Story 2. I mean, all these movies really center on, like, like you said, it's a progression, right? All these are about legacy and mortality and what you do with it. Um, Toy Story 1 is very for lack of a better term Theory X right mm-hmm. and and what we see is as did every leader from 1980 to now become much more Theory Y right people have changed motivation has changed how we relate to each other has changed um, and these movies in their own way show that that adjustment right and I think what all of you have hit on a really cool point as well is all, all these toys recognize their their overall goal, their mortality, right? All of these things that they thought were true are not. Not unlike anyone in life, right? Um, you know, the, the person that you marry is not the person you end up with. The way you raise your kids doesn't turn out to be how your kids want to be raised the work you get into doesn't end up being the job you that fulfills you whatever it is right you know kit you said that andy brooke we've all talked about it this movie is just a microcosm of all of us learning that you have to be flexible and understanding of what life is handing you and i know a lot of people call that you know being open to the universe and listening and perception and intuition and i think that's exactly what the characters who benefit most from this movie get right is is an understanding of taking what is given and maximizing your skills in that and 
I mean, Bo Peep is like the most awesome, perfect character, Andy, like you hit on. I mean, talk about a character that understands not only their skill set, but how it helps the people around them. Right. And, and I mean, again, that's a generalization of, of a, an animated set of films, but it's, it's just so cool to see. And, and Brooke, I think we talked about that in Toy Story 2 that an animated film does some of these things better than, you know, a film with people in it ever does. Um, but I really like what all of you are saying, but those are the notes I just kept jotting down is, you know, all these characters are just recognizing their, how, how they fit in this world. And sometimes you have to, to bend to it and, and make it work. And, um, but it is, I mean, what, like you said, Andy, what we, what we did as as parents and leaders and stuff in 1990 is you got to adjust. You can't do that nowadays. Um, so I'm glad the movies kind of did that too. Yeah. And I, I just, one thing I wanted to say kind of in response to you and, and Andy, where it's like the, the whole, like things are changing and people have to change how they're doing things. And I think it's that people don't like to be told that what they're doing is wrong. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, white privilege and, and like fragility, or it's like, you know what, you didn't know what you were doing was wrong at the time. You didn't realize how it affected other people. Society is working towards trying to achieve X, Y, and Z. And so now like there are people who want us to recognize like with a little compassion and that's growth that's evolution it's not like you're not under attack you're not less valuable just because society is asking you to change your perspective a little bit and so it's just recognizing that you know that people outside your sphere of familiarity are also valuable and that there there are different ways to live and not everybody is the same yeah. And, well, you know, so. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's self, um, well, the word I'm thinking of self-fulfilling, but that's not true. Uh, or that's not the right word. It's like actualization. It, more, yeah, self, it's self-actualizing for Woody because, you know, this old modality doesn't work because it is codependent because the only thing the only way that he feels he has worth is if he's the favorite toy and he gets to be in charge he goes on a journey and learns that he has inherent value as a person regardless of his relationship to any child to any other person and that his friendships and his relationships are you know, what sustain him and that, and that that's what he wants to do moving forward. And I think that is, that is beautiful and it's important. So, uh, I also want to point out that, uh, a, a wild Melissa has joined us and thank you so much for, uh, for, for, um, coming into the podcast. <laughs> I didn't just think like, I just like Bo Peep swooping in to save us, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was like, oh God, I'm never going to make it back. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Yay. So happy you're here. Um, we've just been talking about how much we love this movie, mm-hmm. how we love Forky, how the 
toys are codependent, how this fixes a lot of stuff that was bad before. But um, what has come up over and over again is, is is this the best movie of the series? And you don't have to answer that just yet. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up to tell us, you know, how you, uh, how you feel about all this. So it's funny. Um, you know, we, we've watched so many movies, so many franchises already. And um, a lot of the movies we've had second thoughts about that we maybe loved as a kid. And then we watched them again or when we were younger adults. And we watch them again and we're like, what the fuck? What was, why did I, you know what I mean? Or you didn't realize all the things that were wrong or problematic with it, you know? So watching these hasn't exactly been like that. Um, But I think I have changed my mind about which one I like the most. And and I will go over that, I guess, later. But it was real eye-opening because um, some of these movies I haven't revisited in over a decade. And, you know, I'm... I'm like 45 now. Well, I'm about to be freaking 46 in a week, but like I, um, I think I I know I've changed like night and day almost since my 20s. But I think I've even changed from just five years ago, and it just changes how I look at everything, including this franchise, which is so bizarre to me. Same. So, totally. and and that really came up when I was thinking critically after I watched this movie. I was like, okay, we're expected to be able to talk about you know, our movie, these movies and which is our favorite. And I'm, I'm guessing maybe rankings or something. And, uh, I don't know. It, it's hard. It's so different. I, I thought my mind was made up coming into this and it, and it's not anymore. <laughs> um, and I think I've become far more appreciative of this movie than I was when I first saw it. If this one, I actually don't, think I've seen but once since I saw it in the theater so this was my third viewing but the first in like several years and I appreciate the shit out of this because I think one of the themes that maybe the central theme is second chances and um I'm I'm really digging that right now you know I I freelanced for 18 years and then because of the pandemic I sort of just it, it became untenable to continue and so i had to go back into the traditional workforce and i'm getting like a second chance in a way but not not because i needed to earn it or anything but because it it's just how fate dealt cards to me you know but i'm you know starting all over again especially when you're you're like middle aged now you know it's it's daunting and i feel like i felt a lot of the themes here and and like when Forky kept trying to throw himself in the trash because he didn't know any better he didn't see his worth or his value that spoke to me a lot from my past from even my recent past you know there's so many things in here it it just I'm like fuck this is not a child's movie you know (laughs) like how how could this be a children's movie? I mean, I mean, there's like the stupid stunts and whatever, you know, they do like, especially with Duke Kaboom and stuff, but it, this, this whole, tr- uh, quadrilogy, I guess, like, it's really about growing up and, and, and even fucking up and getting, getting to tr- start again in a sense, you know, yeah. um, it, it's like life and we're of the age where 
we were old enough to understand each of these stages. It's like each one is like a stage of life or something. And, and I think we're the perfect age to sort of understand that. It's like almost like we were sort of going through it as the movie was going through it, if that makes sense. No, seriously. I think that like Gen X and early millennials are like going to have like this very specific view of Toy Story as we have all grown through it through stages of being like either either children or adolescence when when it first came out to like going through many different stages of adulthood as each of these different iterations have come out and it grows it it's it is one of those few franchises that does feel like it has grown with us over the years and i think it helps that this unlike so many other franchises has resisted the urge to like just put out a movie every two years um you know so we had 10 years between three and four it's a long ass time um and it, it was definitely worth waiting for uh nine years january 18th 2010 to june or june 18th 2010 to june 21st 2019 so almost nine years to the day but yeah wow. long time between those two it was worth the wait though I, I know a lot of people who didn't like this movie you know like um i went with my family because you know i went we saw toy story 3 together with my nephews i think i told you all the story of how I was crying and they were making fun of me <laughs> uh, in, in Toy Story 3. So we went for four and I thought, well, maybe they're old enough to wear if there's something sad, they'll cry too. Um, but like, uh, so I went with my nephews and my sister again and my bestie and we didn't cry or anything, but because this is not really that type of movie, but it's, um, my sister was like stupid Forky. She hated Forky so much. And they were kind of like, oh, that movie wasn't great. And I was like, what? This movie is good, you know? I But I I don't think I realized it was great until I saw it again yesterday. Same. It's, you know, it, it's just it's just funny, though. Like, uh, But they're not the only ones I know who didn't like it. Like, a lot of people I know who love the first two or three didn't really care for it. And I, I don't understand why. Um, yeah. I, yeah, we I were... don't. We were talking about that, Melissa, because I went on some of the online forums and people are like, oh, who wrote this? The guy from Saw? Like, this is a scary movie and it's full of violence and toys who talk bad about their owners. I'm like, that's what you find problems with in this movie? <laughs> like, this is this is a terrific movie. So, yeah, I, I think we we were chatting about those same things. Like, I feel like people were nitpicking to a point that it almost wasn't realistic. Yeah. Um, so... I agree with you. That's what you get for being on the internet and looking at <laughs> I was trying to validate it because we were talking about that a little bit. Like, does does Forky really turn that many people off? I mean, once you start watching it, you realize what a what a good character it is. Um, he's fantastic. Yeah, like, he is. <laughs> I mean, it. He just he like he doesn't know any better. He can't get out of his own way to do anything other than throw himself in the fucking garbage. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's fantastic, dude. That's, that's yeah. like, 
I, the whole concept is fucking amazing. I it just like, I mean, how many of you have self-sabotage? Cause I used to be the queen of self-sabotage and sure, yeah. I still have to fight my impulses sometimes. Even now when I realize that's what I'm doing, sometimes it's hard to stop myself. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, and I'm talking in like all aspects of life. So it's like, I relate because it, it sort of feels like that, like like self-sabotage. You know what I'm saying? Because he's just trying to throw himself away. He doesn't realize his worth. And what is it fucking amazing about that? I, I don't understand. It's so I relatable. Mean, I really feel like it, people who weren't paying attention, right? Who mm-hmm. went in yeah. with their kids to a movie and didn't actually watch it for themselves. They were just sort of annoyed they were there. They were annoyed that there was a fork and they didn't buy it. They didn't buy the bed. They didn't they didn't get into what was being sold to them because mm-hmm. they were too distracted. Yeah. And and I think I I also think that there I mean I, I brought this up a little bit that some of the like coded messaging um, and the fact that this film is more diverse and has more uh, gender balance, I think also like subconsciously did turn some people off because they're like, well, why are we, you know, why are we spending time with all of these other characters? Why isn't this just like the Woody and Buzz show all the time? And it's because not every story needs to center those two guys and that's okay. And we still got plenty of Woody and Buzz. Um, but, uh, and the other thing that I, I really, really like about this movie and that I, I have referred to in, in, in this film, uh, Bo Peep as Imperator Furiosa Bo Peep. (laughs) Because I just feel like, (laughs) well, because of her arm (laughs) and because of just her whole badassness. And I really feel like this movie owes a giant debt of gratitude to Mad Max Fury Road and for being like, this is what being a badass woman on screen looks like. And that that can exist in, you know, in this kind of story. And I don't know. I get that. I get that energy. I get that vibe all the way down to like running around in a, in a skunk rig. You know, she's just awesome. She's Bo Peep is the best. Agreed. Bo Peep is the best. I would like to briefly just go back to touch Forky. I mean, sorry, that's gross. <laughs> Let me try that with again. consent. With consent. With consent. Yes. Uh, let me go back and talk about Forky for just one second because I was away from my mic. Um, but I was hearing you guys being brilliant. I think my problem with Forky when I watched it the first time was that I felt incredibly stressed out for Woody. Like, I'm just watching him go through this again and again and again and Forky not getting it and Woody not understanding why Forky's throwing himself away. And it's like, now that I work with more adults with compulsive behaviors, it's like, oh yeah, those compulsive behaviors are a beast. You're like, they're very difficult to, to like work your way around. Um, 
and you know they're very stressful for the people around them because you're just like why are you sabotaging yourself we have talked about this and the compulsive behavior is like i have to go throw myself in the trash um so i think like i found him really annoying until they had that conversation on the road and forky kind of turned the corner and started to see himself as a toy rather than as trash because of how woody explained like the worth of of being a toy and that it's not just about soup and maybe chili but you know about being there for somebody and i just i i love that conversation and the interplay and then like how forky kind of turned into olaf <laughs> telling stories and like brushing gabby gabby's hair <laughs> brushing it with the with the brush backwards because yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. the like the gags upon gags of this movie, just so, so perfect. Good. So good. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that, like, I don't know. I, my experience of like parenting neurodivergent children and um, helps me understand Forky so much better. And having an empathy with his point of view, not only that, like, I too like Forky feel like garbage sometimes and the garbage feels right. And the garbage makes me feel happy, but that understanding when we're dealing with people who come from completely different points of view, that those feelings are valid and you have to connect to them. And that's ultimately what Woody does is he's like, Oh, garbage makes you feel good. Great. Bonnie makes you feel good. And that's that's what you need to do. And that's and that's how you can help. And he's like, oh, okay, I can understand that because you are you're communicating to me about my values. And you're not invalidating them. Um, you know, but a Woody in the first movie is you are a child's plaything, and so Buzz is like, you're a sad, pathetic little man. And, you know, and so, of course, they're going to argue here. It's like, no, OK, I'm going to speak to you on your level and validate you. And let's see if we can turn this like neurodivergent behavior uh, in a more productive direction, uh, which I just I, again, I just think is brilliant. Okay, speaking, unless anybody else has something else. Um, oh. I want to say how, um, I, I've already told you, Woody is my favorite. That's my Woody, right? Mm -hmm. He was featured heavily in this movie, which I'm not mad about, obviously. Um, and I usually just can't stand Buzz at all. You know, he's always getting to some shit that Woody or somebody else has to bail him out of. And um, he's kind of an idiot. But... The ending, he was so profound. He like he finally got it. I feel like for the first time, he truly like understood something that nobody else did. Everybody else was overlooking, you know. Yeah. And, and that Woody could stay with Bo, and and Bonnie would be okay, you know. And it just, it, I, 
I actually for a minute liked him and that was <laughs> that was new for me. Um he finally got his moment to shine like intellectually speaking. You know what I mean? Instead of just like action all the time. Yeah. He wasn't just the dilemma or the stupid person. It's like, oh, there's finally like a denouement to this character arc that makes sense. And he's like growing into this sort of leadership role and letting his friend go. I mean, it's it's really cool to have the whole voice box thing like come full circle for so many characters in this, right? Because mm-hmm. like many of us, he had that the whole time. He just didn't know the context to use it, right? Um, so it was really neat. You know, like we kind of talked about the inner voice and the intuition. It was, it was, I agree with Melissa. It was really cool to get to see him use that. Um, and it was funny that his little statements always led him to the right decision, even though it was the same, like eight sayings over and over again. Um, I did. I liked that part a lot. And I really liked that he didn't uh, hit his Spanish button at all. Yeah. So that was nice too. There was no need to retreat to that. It was just, you know, how many different like pre-recorded sayings can we pretend he has <laughs> like tell him go home yeah retreat <laughs> like, but they yeah. but they all had they all made sense in the toy perspective but then were also really meaningful in the story so and it's like that you're so nice... dense you do have to be told like 15 but times but still like how <laughs> what a cute little like you said uh, kind of the montage of where he needed to be i thought that i agree right. that was really fun yeah all of these characters get so much and they all get to they all get to do so many things um do we want to talk about how this movie got made because it's a it's an yeah, interesting it's a, journey yeah i was gonna say i'd love to hear it I, i've read pieces of it but uh, if you've got the full breakdown i'd be interested sure so like i said they resisted the um the like the idea of making this movie for a long time um but they did uh after john lasseter became uh head of of disney and pixar uh they announced on an investor's call uh that they would be making a toy story 4 which of course made investors very happy um and uh, they began work on this, and the uh, the original story idea was um, was written by Lassiter and Andrew Stanton, uh, and uh, then uh, they brought in uh, Rashida Jones and her co-writer Will McCormick to do the first pass on the script. Then. Um, all of the stuff came out about Lassiter and uh, she quit. Um, there was actually, there was, there were a lot of rumors originally when she quit that said that uh, she had been one of the people that Lassiter had been inappropriate towards. Um, but uh, she clarified uh, that it was due to creative and philosophical differences. Um, let me let me read the entire statement. We did not leave Pixar because of unwanted advances. That is untrue. Uh, 
that said, we are happy to see people speaking out about behavior that made them uncomfortable. As for us, we parted ways because of creative and more importantly, philosophical differences. There is so much talent at Pixar and we remain enormous fans of their films, but it is also a culture where women and people of color do not have an equal creative voice as is demonstrated by their director demographics. Out of the 20 films in the company's history, only one was co-directed by a woman and only one was directed by a person of color. We encourage Pixar to be leaders in bolstering hiring and promoting more diverse and female storytellers and leaders. We hope and we can encourage all those who have felt like their voices could not be heard in the past to feel empowered. Um, so good statement. Uh, there's continued to be like rumors and scuttlebutt. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure if there was anything untoward, uh, Disney would have locked them down with an NDA like pretty quickly. Um, so I don't, I, I guess we can take their word for it, but, um, that was some pretty quick reporting right out of the gate that it was like, uh, specifically, Lassiter had sexually harassed Rashida Jones, which seems not outside of the um, realm of possibility. Um, that being said, great statement from her. Um, so they brought in uh, a another screenwriter, um, Stephanie Folsom, who uh, said, well, according to Annie Potts, um, rewrote about 75% of what was there. And uh, she really put her um, put her stamp on it. Uh, interestingly, though, um, Jones and McCormick still retained their names on the script and uh, in fact won awards for uh, best original or best first screenplay. But the script also received notice, and they ended up winning several awards for uh, for helping to write the screenplay. Um, so that's good. Although, uh, again, according to Potts, um, you know, a lot of a lot of their script had had been scrapped. Um, but the film became what it is, and uh, I think. Uh, we have to, you know, I, I think we, we have to really credit Stephanie Folsom for, for a lot of that work. Uh, and she's gone on to do some other writing. Uh, she's most recently been involved with the, uh, with the Amazon Rings of Power show, um, with the show Paper Dolls, um, which is also a, a comic book adaptation, or excuse me, Paper Girls. Um, not paper dolls. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, but this script is just so amazing. Um, because of that delay though, with the script, it did push back the release of the film by like almost two years. So, uh, they went from originally trying to get this out in 2017 to it coming out in 2018. Um, but obviously worth the wait and it feels like Pixar in going through that process 
did take some of that time to self-reflect and I think that shows up quite a bit in the script so again if we're taking this at sort of a metatextual level uh, I think there are elements of that in here and them actively acknowledging and apologizing for previous issues that they've had um, but that's also why this film is so great um came out made a billion dollars actually noticed the music more in this one me too yeah i thought the music was actually really well done um a little bit more driven by a score rather than the obligatory randy newman jump cuts right so i i that's well, we actually I mean. finally got a good randy newman it's also song true that, right that works for randy newman yeah like uh, you know, I I have a soft spot for that song. Yeah, but I mean, I, I did notice, I mean, the score seemed much more poignant. Um, lots of different variations. I, I like what they did with it. So, and of course the animation, I mean, um, the how they've, the between one and four, I mean, oh, geez, they, they the get animation. the articulation. Oh yeah, on some of the characters' faces, it's incredible. Look at the difference between Andy in Toy Story 1 and Andy as a kid in that opening sequence. Oh, yeah. Toy Story 4, and it is just like, I can't believe these are supposed to be the same the same people. Yeah. They, they improved so much. But um, because of that, this did win a Best Animated Feature. Um, the There was not a, a ton of competition uh in uh in that category this year it did beat out how to train your dragon the hidden world which we've talked about the how to train your dragon series being good but that is uh that it yeah it's no toy story 4 yeah um uh, but and uh the randy newman song was nominated for best original song I can't let you throw yourself away. Uh, it lost to a Elton John and Bernie Taupin song. Uh, I'm going to love me again from rocket man. The, uh, the biopic uh, jukebox musical with Taryn Edgerton. So, uh, which feels a little more like the lifetime achievement award for Elton John to give him his Oscar. Um, but also that, that's also a good song so yeah I can't i can't like mm-hmm. be upset that like oh well they really should have given it to randy newman i'm like no this is a great song but like <laughs> it's okay. a great song it's a great song but randy newman's got his oscar so he's fine <laughs> he's gonna be all right so we're all good uh yeah um but everybody loved this well not everybody loved this movie but it won all sorts of awards and obviously was well acclaimed and uh, did the thing that Disney cares about which is sell a lot of lunchboxes and make a lot of ticket sales um no forky toys though I noticed that's too bad just have to make those at home they really missed out. They could have, should have made like a, have like a ten dollar make your own forky set. 
<laughs> I mean, they had some. They had some like plushies of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've got the you've got the plush quirky that you can get on like Amazon. It's got like four thousand five star reviews. <laughs> so, but it's not. I mean, it's they certainly don't have the jab yourself in the eye actual forky like when they replace no. it with the spoon for safety i thought that was hilarious yes like, why didn't you use the fork well safety obviously that kind of thing but yeah um it'll hurt more you it have been like a, a copyright thing my my sister's grandfather-in-law created the original sport for chick uh kentucky fried chicken oh no way wow, wow. And he's dead, so maybe they just couldn't reach him to get the rights. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if a spork is in the public domain, or if that is a no. That's a legally recognized uh, trademark of the Kentucky Fried Chicken Yum Brands uh, Inc. Corporation. If you if you go on Amazon right now, you can you can get the make your own forky creativity set. Oh, you see, can? there you go. Yeah, you can also get Frozen Olaf spelled with no R, so Frozen Olaf. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. So, yeah, you can build your own. And you can also create your own foam buzz, which nah. sounds different than I thought it would. Um, yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your OnlyFans account, create your own foam buzz. <laughs> that's funny. I got your that's Woody what... right here. <laughs> it's like that's one of the cosplays I really have wanted to build for a long time, but specifically so I could be Mrs. Nesbit. <laughs> but... <laughs> and I, but it's like you know what would suck. Walking around in giant foam armor with a fishbowl on your head yeah. for and a for hat comedy. on top of it. And a hat, well, yeah. it's like because you have to have the fishbowl so the hat can be on top of the helmet. Exactly, it's not as funny if the hat's on your head. Right. Um. And so, but I was like, you know what? That's gonna be that's gonna be real hot. So I haven't built it yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just like, yeah, if you're gonna build a, a buzz foam armor, guys. You know, speaking of Olaf, this reminds me, I just noticed one of the songs that this beat for the Oscar was Into the Unknown. Um, but Frozen 2 was not nominated for Best Animated Feature. Disney, I guess, put all of their oomph behind Toy Story to get that nominated and to win and thinking they would probably lose if they had two different nominees like they cancel each other out or something yeah yeah exactly this was a far superior movie to frozen 2 so i i agree yeah um yeah i'm surprised that they did that though i would have thought frozen was more the juggernaut you know i know toy story has been around a lot longer but like you said 10 years between films and you know I don't think Toy Story appeals nearly as much to kids as it does to adults. Whereas Frozen probably appeals way more to kids than adults, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's why they thought that they would have a better shot at winning the Oscar. Mm. Um, especially where they're like, oh, this is, this is definitely the last one. And, you know, we can 
we can send them off with another Oscar. Yeah, that's so. that's what I can't remember. Did did they win for one, two, or three? I can't remember. They they won for three as well. So okay. you know that's not um, and and best animated feature was not a category that existed in um, in in ninety five or ninety nine. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's the momentum angle too. Yeah. And I think the the only difference is in um, in 2010, uh, it was also nominated for best picture, um, but not nominated for best picture this year. This was a weird year for best picture. Um, it, these were the nominees: um, Parasite, which won, thank God. Yeah, great movie. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari, which I liked. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, kill me. Little Women, which I liked. Marriage Story, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, But um, I think Toy Story 4 is better than about half of those movies. Um, So... But uh, yeah, I haven't seen half those movies, so I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> well, do not. Uh, hopefully, you've not seen Joker. I have, unfortunately. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. So am I. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's what two hours of my life I won't get back. What the fuck? That movie. Uh, it, uh, it could go on and on about that. If we if we ever end up doing like. Batman or the DC universe or something like we may just have to skip the Joker movie because it just Please. hurts my brain. It's the so Hannibal much. rising of that franchise. It is. And yet it made so much money and won all these awards. And I just, I don't get it. I, uh, it is, it is just a garbage film. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike Forky garbage, who is lovable. So, <laughs> you know, Anyway, um, but a weird year for for Oscars and and movies in general. But um, uh, Toy Story, a big, big, big winner. This movie, like I I brought this up a little earlier, but this movie moved like inclusion of non-white people like way out there. And I think we need to take a few more moments to talk about how how great all of those additions were okay so so can i first key and peel are irreplaceable national treasures there is like i i i will fight anybody who disagrees because it they're just so funny and they're such good writers and creators and so ridiculously talented and cute so you know huzzah but i do think like it was slightly problematic that the uh the two black guys are playing you know more aggressive characters but at the same time they were just so damn funny that I'm like, you know what? Unless somebody else is bothered by it, I'm not going to be bothered by the fact that somebody else might be bothered by it. Um, but it was definitely a concern watching it that that was like kind of playing into some older stereotypes that were that were pro- more problematic. 
Yeah. I think so. Um, I think knowing that they had, like, control of these characters and that they helped, you know, riff and write some of this dialogue themselves, I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, if, if they're part of the creative process, um, it's like, oh, okay, well, oh, it, it's, it's problematic that Key and Peele do a sketch about Luther Obama's uh, anger translator. Like, no, that's not problematic. They're, they should be allowed to do that. That's fine. So, you know, they're they're the ones in control. They're in charge of it. No, they're not, you know, they're not dancing for anybody. Um, I think I think that is good, perhaps. Even. Yeah, but I, I yeah. And it's like and on the same note, like having two two black men have characters who are so vulnerable about their feelings of like rejection and wanting to be loved was kind of like oh, it's so precious one that that's just males in general like talking about wanting to be loved and like mm -hmm. making that happen for others but also just oh my god they're so funny and i think a little bit of commentary about how i wonder if the two of them especially at that time felt you know, like, oh, the two of us are sewn together. We're like a package deal and nobody is like taking us apart from one another. Um, you know, and who knew, uh, you know, that things would, would, that they would start diverging so much. And now we'd have the Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele, like as themselves in their own rights. And JB, I know you brought up, um, for just a moment, Jay Hernandez as uh, as Bonnie's dad. Yeah, so I, I, good. Yeah, because I do. I mean, it took me a while to to get the Tom Selleck Magnum PI adjustment, but he really is a great actor, great character, um, very expressive, uh, and I really enjoyed him on that show. So it was fun to see him. On this, uh, and and of course Keanu, um, yeah. Who who again? I think it seemed like with Key and Pill and Keanu, they really had to up their game when they brought, you know, people of this caliber in. Because I know they had to almost completely redo Kaboom because Keanu was just. They were like we we couldn't keep up, um, and he is. I mean, just another fantastic side character. Yes, we Canada. <laughs> yes, we Canada. The whole, the whole Rajon thing, y'all, I just can't even with that was. Just like, like you said, Brooke, just the, the toy, inner, the generational trauma these toys have. Like this whole thing with Rajon, I'm like, I feel so bad for Kaboom. Like, how does this keep happening? Okay, so at the very end, in one of the, y'all, y'all watched through the end because like through, throughout the credits they had like little scenes and stuff you know oh yeah mm -hmm. so the, I think it was the very last one where the the knife you know like she asks why am I alive <laughs> fuck me the toy story toys asking why they're alive I mean shit yeah right I mean yes. it was 
the only one who had that reaction? Mm, that was awesome. No, not at all. Because I like, <laughs> but it brought this whole like existential question like mm-hmm. back around. Not only like, what is a toy? Why do we care about toys? Why are they so imbued with our feelings? And now she's asking, like, but wait, why am I a toy? I am garbage. And it's and I just love that, like, Forky is here to be like, oh, no, I got you. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah like, I went through this journey. Yeah. It It's so it it's so out there. I love it. I just there. It's so brilliant. It's so, so brilliant. But I, yeah, I think the the other thing I think that I that I liked about Jay Hernandez and just in general with Bonnie and her family is like it's like okay, yes, they are um, they are Mexican. They're being played by Mexican voice actors, but. You know, there's no, I don't know, um, stereotyping. There's nothing. It's just, oh, this is normal. This is just, you know, they are a normal family just like every other. And it's like, okay, great. Thank you. So glad to, so glad to see that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not only Jay Hernandez, like, talented Mexican voice actor is just talented actor. That's awesome. Like more of that, please. Also, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just like uh, going back to the like the body issues. Um, I I wanted to kind of give Toy Story a sh- or Toy Story for a shout out for some body positivity because I felt like. Bonnie's mom and dad were not like perfectly skinny, like thin. You could see their faces, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and like nobody had perfect bodies, but they were very healthy. They were very active. They seemed pretty happy, except when their RV went completely insane. Um, and I just, I really liked that. And um I was a little bit worried when, you know, the character with with body dysmorphic disorder uh, was, you know, kind of a wider doll, but she was not fat. She was just a baby doll, just Mm -hmm. a dinosaur toy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I felt but, you know, when coming out in the same year as Frozen 2, having some of that just kind of like normalization of like, this is what Americans look like it was very positive for me. It's like, ah, thanks, Disney! People that look like people! Although I did not like that Andy looked more like a human. Like, they're changing Andy's face really threw me into the uncanny valley for a minute. Weird. But, yeah. Well, it was just because we watched them all in order. Like, it didn't bother me the first time I saw it, but like Melissa, I don't think I'd seen it again until now. Yeah. Because um, I remember like crying hysterically at the end of the movie and being like, "They're never gonna have a fifth one." And now I'm like, "Studio note: No more Toy Story." It's like, <laughs> just leave it. It was perfect. No yeah. touchy. 
to you've touched on this in previous films kit talking about like uh disability and and other things and i noticed uh in this film for the first time uh when they're in the kindergarten class one of the other students has a cochlear implant i don't know if you noticed that but I did not notice that, but that's really cool. And it was just this completely really, normalized. It was completely normalized and it was pretty. It was like this like lime green thing and you could tell it, but then it like turned into like this thing that looked like a barrette. And so it was like, it's not only normalized, but they were saying like it's normal and it's now a cute accessory for this kid. And the, the kid was, you know, not the one who was feeling lonely on the first day of kindergarten. That was Bonnie. Um, so I, I I don't know. That was that was something that I noticed. It just, you know, one of those little touches. Um, not beating you over the head with it or making a big point about it. But yeah, it was um, it wasn't a diversity parade. It was a these are yes, we have diverse actors and characters, but they're completely just in their world doing what they do. Exactly. And the story is coming from who they are on the inside. And like everybody's kind of accepting and that there are differences, but they're not like causing drama or comedic pranks or, you know, no one's riding around in a Tonka truck except for Woody. So, yeah, that was fun. All right. The skunk was totally awesome. The skunk was totally awesome. This movie, I mentioned, uh, made a uh, hundred, or excuse me, four hundred and thirty-four uh, million dollars at the U.S. domestic box office. Um, adjusted for inflation, it's exactly the same because my inflation-adjusted numbers all used to. 2019 uh it made an additional 639 million worldwide so just cleaning up around the world uh so a total of 1.07 billion dollars uh just barely beating out um toy story 3's 1.068 billion um so uh a a giant giant movie uh since i've got it on the same spreadsheet i'm gonna look up how much frozen 2 made the same year i feel um, like it was about 1.1 billion wasn't it 1.4 1.4 so, okay so frozen 2 beat it at the box office but um toy story 4 is the better movie and it got all the awards so that's we can leave it at that frozen 2 did not have forky so uh studio notes kit i liked yours to start off with don't don't make any more of these <laughs> so, let it just let it be uh i like that advice what is everybody's thought about bo peep taking woody back at the end I give him like six months. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I get the historical thing, but I've, I, that may be my only studio note is I kind of felt like that was forced a little bit. And I don't know if it was just 
that I wasn't Bowen reading. Woody forever. What? <laughs> Bowen Woody forever. <laughs> I mean, it, that was the only thing that I thought was weird. Is it's it's like it's it's like I said before. Is he the wet noodle? Um. Yeah. Anyway, that like that was the only this this movie does very little even remotely not perfect um i felt like that was the only thing i wasn't totally sold on um so Mm. yeah anyway that was my only thing i think it was it had to happen for plot right i mean i get it right but yeah um you know i feel like i feel like bo peep's friends are always really that guy like what do you see in him and you know, usually your friends are right. <laughs> He's got a giant yeah. Woody. You know. <laughs> Doesn't even have his voice box anymore. Get rid of this dude. <laughs> well, I think it's it's interesting because I what what Bo Peep seems to like the most about Woody is what I think we like the most about her. And it's like that she's very passionate and she cares yeah. for others and she puts other people like and their welfare first right. and i think you know so she commented and basically like it was something like oh he just never gives up on people that's so lovable right and it's well and that's like, what okay. andy says about woody at the end of three too Aww. so yeah the loyalty piece yeah mm-hmm. and so yeah. i think like they're they're basically trying to yes they're kind of like squishing them together like you know two sandwich cookies that have gotten separated but still have all the white stuff wow. uh, <laughs> that's my metaphor and i'm sticking to it i like where you um, went with that too <laughs> uh, but I, I i do think like you know sometimes those those romantic relationships kind of get just added in to like make the plot a little more shiny right which this this kind of was the case but it also did give woody the pull like he needed there needed to be some sort of conflict that would pull him away from bonnie and like basically set him up for like i'm doing this for myself which uh it wasn't really what he was doing he was definitely doing it for his girlfriend right yeah. Other studio notes? I have two. Um, I wanted more of Mr. Pricklepants. Yes. Um, Good call. <laughs> Way not enough lines. Yeah. Although he got, I mean, he did get that one thing and he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't want to be the, I don't, you know, I don't want to just be the hat manager or whatever. I want to be the, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, that's fun. He gets to continue doing that. Um, that's okay. He doesn't need to be the center of everything. Um, the other thing relates to, you know, what, what Melissa brought up about the credit scenes. Um, it felt like there were too many opportunities in there for people to leave the theater and not know that those were coming. And they're such gems. And when you watch it now on Disney plus the button pops up and says, skip credits. 
before any of those start playing. And I'm like, how in the world are you potentially letting people skip this amazing content? Like, how dare you? Um, so my studio note is figure out a way to make sure people know that they're supposed to stay for all three of those little stinger scenes. Okay. Um, cause I, I just, I don't know. I, I think especially this was my experience in the theater. Like everybody's just got kids and maybe some of the kids are little and they need to go to the bathroom. And so it's like, Oh, okay. That's it. The lights came up. We're bolting for the door. Like the Marvel movies have everyone trained to like stick around all the way through the credits. And, um, I wish there'd been some sort of like signifier to like make sure people got that. Like in Toy Story 2, you didn't have to wait for the uh, outtakes to start popping up. They just they just came and they they kept going and there weren't any breaks. Uh, so uh, no breaks, no no skip, um, no skip credits button, especially the no skip credits button. Because like we, like we can't actually go back and re and change anything about Toy Story three. We can change how it's being presented now on Disney Plus, and like that shit's got to go. So, have people watch those scenes? They're so much fun. Melissa, do you have any studio notes? No, I do not. I just barely got to watch it yesterday, and uh, I I hadn't haven't really had a chance to reflect as much as I usually do before this. So my apologies for not being as, um, no, no, no prepared as usual, but it's just been a crazy week. Understandable. I just want to make sure we don't miss anything from you. I'll from probably anybody. miss something later, but you know, okay. <laughs> Too late. Um, best one liners or quotes. Man, there's so many funny jokes in oh, this. Uh, where do you even start? My anxiety is attacking me! I knew that would be Kit's favorite. Yeah. That. Yep. To infinity and my foot! Yep. That whole that whole minute and a half is just so full. My, my favorite scene, though, as I said, is the where they plot how they're going to get the key from the, the old lady and like just the very end the what did they call it the the fluff um well i can't remember where they're stalking her the whole she goes through the whole nighttime scene and then they get her at the oh very end i was like there is that's possibly the best animated set of uh, it ever but yeah i think to infinity on my foot really caught me off guard and was was great yeah that was super good, and and I mean for poignancy, I thought every Buzz's whole last little speech, um, and when he and and Woody get to hug again, I mean here we have to have an animated film that lets us. I think Brooke, you said that uh, let you know male characters show emotion and friendship, and I, I thought that part was really that was the counterpoint to the the funny lines. Yeah, right. the the she's going to be okay without you. And yeah, it's like I know, no, Bonnie is going to be okay yeah. without you. That's that's powerful. It stuff. was. It was really. It was. It was like all of the good male relationships I have. I feel like 
that's what it's based around just an understanding of what the other person needs right and the ability to express that to them i i thought that was a really cool point especially for young boys who were watching yeah so my favorite quote was actually Bo when she told duke nukem be who you are right now yeah um I really love that. And, you know, you can take that a few ways. Like, in context, you know, it was like, you know, she they, she was just trying to goad him on so that he would, you know, do the stunt or, you know, the, the jump. But, like, I mean, you, there's so many ways you can take that. You know, like, when I think about, I know there's that old saying, like, people never change, you know, a leopard never loses its spots or whatever, but... I think some people do change. I mean, I've changed profoundly, more, you know, more than once. I'm, like, not even close to being the same person I was, like, even 10 years ago, you know? And so I think people, if they do change and they go through these phases, kind of like story, Toy Story's gone through, the, like, these phases of life in a sense, you know, you can be who you are right now because in 10 years you might be someone else, you know? It just depends. So you, you could kind of look at it in different ways. And so I thought that was a really profound line. Yeah. And and I love the way she framed it to like uh, where she's like, you're the only toy who can crash us into that. And he's like, mm-hmm. crash? And he's like, she's like, yeah, you don't like any toy can jump, but only you can 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 crash it's like it's like taking what you perceive as your flaw and letting you know that you have confidence in that and you see it as an actual strength yeah it reminded me a little bit um like of winnie the pooh because like you know there's this group of friends and like eeyore is sitting there with like a little rain cloud on him all the time but even though he was clearly depressed like he kind of symbolized depression like everybody was just okay with it you know they they still invited him out and like these days you know with all this like pop culture psychology people are like oh get all the toxic people out of your life and okay there's some argument for that but i think we mistake like when people are going through shit they might be like temporarily toxic or whatever like or they might be not like happy all the time or whatever but that doesn't mean you just throw them away you know what i mean and um they you know like like winnie the pooh and all of them you know piglet and everybody they didn't throw away eeyore just because he was sad all the time and like nobody here throws away any of these toys just because they crash all the time or you know what i'm saying like it just sort of reminded me of that in a, a little bit you know they meet eeyore on his level and like they're like yeah let's we can have fun with Eeyore and we don't have to, you know, he doesn't have to be happy. He doesn't have to be joyous. And he's yeah. just like, Hey, thanks for noticing me. It's like, yeah. he's cool with that. Like that, yeah. that is beautiful. That's. But then, yeah, and the nice thing also is that they're, they kind of just like move past it and be like, that's just Eeyore. Like he's not asking to be consoled. He's just, you know, Thanks yeah. for noticing me. They're like, okay, let's go have an adventure. Um, and it, it works out. I yeah. think uh, going, going, I have, I have one. Uh, uh-huh. 
so I think it was was Ducky's line, but he's like, that sheep has three heads. What's up with that? <laughs> like all six eyes just looked into Bunny's soul. <laughs> it's just... They have names. And they're all <laughs> girls. Not that you would know. You nope. didn't ask. Anyway, but yeah. Um, I, my, the, my only other favorite uh, that hasn't been mentioned yet is the entire monologue um, uh, that, that starts with, you have a kid? <laughs> I had a kid. And then Bopi's <laughs> like, oh no. She's like, oh no, I know where this is going. And then Rajan. Rajan was so excited. And then it just ends with, why Rajan, why? <laughs> <laughs> that entire <laughs> thing was so good. And uh, oh, a quick shout out, the, uh, the announcer on the TV for that ad, the Duke Kaboom ad. JB, do you know this? Do you know who that was? No, who was it? It was bass player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No Flea. way. Wow. Yes. Look it up. Uh, also making a tiny appearance in this movie as an Oakland Athletics bobblehead figure, uh, Oakland Athletics baseball player Ricky Henderson. So this movie had like a weird, like just like stacked up weird people in the um in the side roles. Uh, speaking of, let's move to favorite side characters. And really quickly, I will just I will just read out these character names because we brought them up and they're just so, so good. Melephant Brooks, Cheryl Burnett, Bitey White, and Carl Rhinoceros. <laughs> That's mwah, Chef's Kiss. Beautiful. Uh, who's everybody's favorite side character? Ducky. Bunny. Ducky. Bunny. Ducky Bunny. Maybe Buzz? Hmm. Is Buzz a side character? Maybe. I mean, who are your main characters in this one? Woody and Bo? Probably. And but Bo doesn't show up until halfway through the movie, too. And it's weird because Forky is also barely in this. So it's like, I mean, he's he's like fourth build in the movie, but um, he doesn't have a lot of lines. So is yeah. Forky a side character? I think that's my answer. If Forky is a side character, then Forky's my favorite. Um if not, then yeah, it's probably Ducky and Bunny. Yeah, I mean, Ducky and Bunny are fantastic. I was, I was trying to think if there's anybody else. I mean, Kaboom is really good. Um, Bo, Bo, if Bo's a side character, she's the best by far. But yeah. I, I still think, I mean, she, she really drives the movie. So, yeah, um, the sheep are great. Um. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's kind of like three, right? Where you know you have so many characters who get enough screen time. Um, but yeah, yeah. Again, a real ensemble effort. Um, Brooke, Melissa, do you have favorites? 
I would say mine is is Buzz. I just liked what they did with him this time, especially since I disliked him so much. <laughs> um, but Maybe. then also Bonnie's dad, I think is just great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the parents because as a Chicana, I support showing good Chicana parentage. Uh, I feel like a lot of any, and most Latino shows, not just Mexican, but, you know, a lot of them show broken homes, which I can relate to, unfortunately, you know, but um, it doesn't always need to be fucking depressing. You know what I mean? It doesn't always have to be tragic. You can just have a loving family that is Mexican and it's okay, you know? And um, so I, I agree. I really like the parents. Um, and we only saw them very briefly with Mr. Pricklepants. I mean, I don't care if he only gets a couple lines. He, he's always going to be one of my favorites. He's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and also shout out to Carl Weathers as Combat Carl. Classic. <laughs> so underappreciated, that 30 seconds of Combat Carl. So very, good. Very good. Everybody's so well used in small amounts. So true. What a delightful film. Okay. Um, best song. I mean, is there only the one or? I mean, yeah. I I think I think don't throw yourself away is. Uh, I, I love that song. Um, I really like it. I think it it uses Randy Newman in a way that Randy Newman should be used. So, um. his, his soundtracks where there's chase scenes, I think there's like the Buzz's Flight one, and then mm -hmm. you know the part the the best crash ever. I mean, there's some really good like action scores which kind of surprised me mm. um so yeah i, I like the I like a couple of those doesn't chris stapleton do the original song like the lonesome oh. cowboy one yeah that song is surprisingly boring it, it is kind of boring isn't it i'm i'm i was kind of waiting for it to do something but maybe you know like a commercial you write it for the minute it's going to be playing um yeah not the four minutes in the score. It's like that's that's when you know that you actually it's time to leave the theater. It's time to hit the skip credits button as soon as the <laughs> the lonesome cowboy song is like, oh, the cowboy song's on. Okay, not so lonesome over. anymore. Let's leave. The movie's <laughs> over. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and is the main character a good person? I feel like the main character here is pretty obviously Woody. Uh, and this is his like final chapter so uh, I think he's a good person in this movie yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like this is Woody's best film like this is where he's his best self because where he's not dealing with so much insecurity like he's accepting his place as you know as hard as it is for him and he's really trying to support like what's important to a kid and you know so yes but you know yeah. with the caveat that 
Im- improved. New and in- not like new and improved, but like mm-hmm. less annoying than before. <laughs> Definitely not a psycho burnerer anymore. <laughs> That's some character growth right there. <laughs> uh, old old Woody would have been like Forky. Uh, yeah, that guy can go in the garbage. Out, out the window with you, Forky. I'm sleeping yeah. on the bed with Bonnie. That's so. right. Uh, and should we show this to children? Yeah. Absolutely. I think even more so than um, several of the others. Speaking of, now, okay, you do not have to, but if you would like to throw out a ranking of these four films, uh, you may do so. But if you're like, I don't know, I can't decide, that is an acceptable answer. Uh, or if you just have a vague, like, these are the top two, these are the bottom two, that's also fine. Uh, I will start with mine. My number four is Toy Story 1. Uh, it's amazing, but it's my least favorite of them. Number three is Toy Story 3. Uh, for all the problematic reasons and trauma reasons we brought up last time. My number two is Toy Story 4. I I really like it. It's really, really good. Um, But my number one is still Toy Story 2. I still think think that's the best one. Interesting. Feel free to disagree. Yeah, I I would switch four and two, but I mean, it's semantics, right? Um, I, I think four and two are I mean, it's it's an eyelash apart, depending on maybe which one you see last, right? Um, but yeah, who has I, the Jesse the Cowgirl song in it, and so it it has. I mean, Kelsey Grammer is just it's it's a it's a yeah. terrific it's a terrific movie. But yeah, I I think I would agree with you. I'd probably switch four and two, but that's it. So I agree with JB. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, <Wow>. everyone. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> <See> you <all> later. <laughs> I would not, if you would ask me like even like a year ago, I would not have placed number four so high or uh, number four pie would have been number four. Yeah. Um, but uh, something about it just caught me rewatching it. it i you know i'm in a very different place in my life right now and it this movie just made so much more sense and i just felt it so much more than when i originally saw it totally i mean when just a month ago when we started this i would have said my rankings will be two three one four yeah, yeah. it'll be in that order and... i think it's exactly the order i probably would have put it yeah not so much yeah not so much So I think I would put, uh, have my top two be four and then one. Because mm-hmm. oh, number, to me, number two was good and it had a lot of like great gags. But number one, just, it has a warm place in my heart. It also has some of my favorite one-liners like, hey, look, I Woody, howdy, howdy, howdy. And like, you are a sad, strange little man. Have mm-hmm. my pity. Farewell. Um, and so it's, I I 
personally, just for the innovation, I'm going to put number one and also the one-liners. I'm going to put number one at number two yeah. and number four at number one because I, I, I would not have thought that either because I thought I was watching it again. And I'm like, why did this movie get me so upset? Like, and I think it was just the idea that I had to say goodbye again. Um, yeah. But this time I was like, you know what? Farewell. Be well. Aloha. You know, no more Woody and Buzz movies. But I'm okay with it. Because I'm, they stress, you know, I just feel stressed out for them. So. Well, because they're off doing their own thing. We don't need a Woody and Buzz anymore. Woody and Buzz continue their own adventures on their own. And that's mm -hmm. that's a good that's a good ending for them. It's so good. It's so it's so perfect and in so many ways so much a more perfect and better ending than three. Like I thought mm -hmm. three was the perfect ending. Oh, we're passing on the legacy of something that we love. And then it's like No. These things continue. And we can revisit them and they grow and they and they and things change. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I love it. Brooke, did yeah, you my have order a would be yeah, my order would be similar to Kit's. I you definitely have four at the top. Um, and I go back and forth between one and two, to be quite honest. Like one just has that spot in my place and I mean, Woody is what he is in it, and Buzz is what he is, but it, it's yeah. that's such a great foundation, and I, I do, I like the one-liners, I like the way that it's done, um, but I, I would probably do four, two, one, and then three, but wow. I definitely know that three is at the bottom, I mean, yeah. I haven't forgiven it yet. That makes sense. <laughs> I, that's so cool that all three of you put four at the top. I'm that I don't know that makes me really happy even though I disagree so I'm I don't know I'm just I think that's so beautiful and so amazing that like this film can be that magical so yay I celebrated I just I celebrated like that everything. it ends with so much growth yes it ends with so like moving into such better dynamics for all of them and I, I like that why am I alive? <laughs> <laughs> the, the true existential question. Uh, okay, that's it. Um, next week, it's not exactly going to be next week because we're going to take a little bit of time off and let Melissa go on vacation for her birthday. Oh, Happy birthday! It's your birthday! <laughs> air horn <laughs> yeah uh so after you come back though we will have our 100th episode which will be our state of the franchise where we are going to figure out what we're talking about in season three but after that we are going to celebrate with a melissa birthday movie and i think you picked that out Oh, I've kept changing my mind today. Like, <laughs> it's so sad. Guys, here's you want to keep it a secret for another, or keep thinking about it for two weeks. You can. No, I actually, um, I thought I might crowdsource a little. Because here's the thing: 
it's going to be a comedy because I think, you know, life has been stressful. I know not just for me. I know for all of you too. Everybody's had their stuff that's come up and life is just, for some of us more than others, um, has just served us up various amounts of shit sandwiches lately. And so, you know, I, we need to laugh. Like And like last year it was Barfy. And now here's the thing. I felt the pressure because that's such a great movie, but I, I I'm never going to compete with myself on that one, right? right. So nothing is Barfy, right? right? Yeah. And uh, that's more like a bittersweet comedy, you know? And and I wanted something just outright comedy. So um, I had like three in mind. I eliminated one. And now I can't decide between going with a classic comedy that you've probably all seen and maybe just want to revisit or the quirky little dark horror comedy that probably none of you have seen or maybe even heard of. So I keep vacillating between the two. So I I don't know. I think I'm going to leave it up to to like democracy and here. <laughs> uh, and I hope you all voted. I voted today, speaking of democracy, because I won't be I here. Voted today too. Day. Huh? Yeah, I voted today, too. Yay! Yay. Get out uh, and vote for this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's sad that there's like no line and <laughs> no waiting. It's just you just walk right in because nobody's voting. Anyway, um, so here are my two picks for the classic comedy that I absolutely love and wouldn't mind revisiting Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Nice. Oh. Oh, that's, oh, that's so good. Right? Right? Yeah. see, I was like, no, Melissa, just go with the one nobody's seen. That way we can get reactions and. Well, Whatever. I haven't but seen Dirty Run Scoundrels. Oh, you haven't? Me neither. Oh, oh good. So good. It's so good. Oh, man. And it, it's from like the, what, is it the late 80s? Yeah. Mid- Mid- and it's still, because you know so, some comedy doesn't age well, and you watch a movie from 30 years ago, and it's just not funny? This is still fucking funny. I mean, it's still really good. Um, so the other choice is a little dark comedy from 2010 that probably nobody ever saw um, that almost didn't get released, actually. Um, and, uh, like, found a seller at Sundance at the very last minute. And it stars one of my favorite actors, Alan Tudyk. It's called Tucker and Dale vs. One of our so favorites. Good. We love that movie. Yeah, so y'all have seen oh, it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yes. Oh, it's hilarious. I it's have a it. great movie. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Oh, what a win-win. Yeah. yeah. The way we win, I just can't decide. I keep going back and forth. What a gift. <laughs> what a gift. <laughs> They're both I'm not, so I'm good. not going to lie. I would love to watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels again. I, I haven't seen that in like 10 years. Yeah, it's probably been even longer than that for me. Even longer than that for me. I think the last time I watched it was the 90s. Yeah. It's been, yeah. Okay, so we'll watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and we'll try to find a way to make Tucker and Dale adjacent. I mean, you made us watch The Power of One, and it was adjacent, so we can at least watch movie <laughs> this time. Yeah, like that maybe... That was a Dirty Rotten Scoundrel move. Right? <laughs> maybe that's the, like, you know, because Tudyk is in all of the the disney movies now so he's a i don't know we can that's find true it. he's a voice actor he's really he's good my, at voice acting yeah. he's my favorite disney princess 
Um, and and he's a K2SO in uh, in Rogue One. Have y'all been watching Andor? I love that show. Oh, good. I haven't watched the new one from today yet. I'm letting it stack up. You have to watch it. Yes, it is. Today's episode was just, it's probably one of my favorites of the whole series so far. The one last week, just, I've been thinking about it all week. And Mm -hmm. it just, like, it just, like, gnaws on me. And you just digest it more and more and more. And it's so... It's such a meal. It's mm-hmm. it's it's weighty and it's dense in a way that like uh, that this is they feed him in the prison, is it? <laughs> yeah, this this is not a slight against Star Wars at all. But most Star Wars content is not Mm-mm. dense. You don't sit and ruminate on it for long periods of time. And, and this is well written. That's how you know George Lucas didn't put his hands nowhere near the scripts because oh, yeah. it's really well written. Like the, almost like like a couple of almost monologues mm-hmm. that just amazing, so good. Anyway, yeah. Um, so we'll try and find a way maybe to f- watch Tucker and Dale later. I I think we'll go with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and we'll go classic. And I'm so excited that two of you haven't seen it. Ladies, you're going to love it. I, well, I, let me not say that. I hope you love it. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if you didn't. It is really, really entertaining. But I, I that's a great choice, Melissa. I cannot wait to watch them again. Yeah, it's just pure fun and joy. And I think we all need that in our life right now. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited, Melissa, that you get to take some time off and uh-huh. celebrate yourself and have fun um, and i'm so excited that we get to come back in a couple weeks and plot out what we're gonna do for the next year and a half so uh are we, uh, do we have all the votes in do we know what the top two are so we well, can skip uh, around vote, it or how do you want to do that is still open here i'll look okay um let me let me pull this up and yeah let's look at this so the the assignment, as it were, for us is try and come up with a set of movies that is more or less about, like, 50 films overall. Because right. um, that's approximately a year. And um, uh, that... So if we, if we take... Uh, the audience choices and then we divide up the rest of them and minus out birthday picks for all five of us uh, if we can each come up with franchises that um, where we're we're talking about somewhere between six and maybe nine or ten uh, films if if all of us brought two tr- two trilogies, um, we'd be a little under, so feel free to go over. Um, if you're like, oh, I'm doing two and five, or I just want to do one and it's eight, you know, that's that's fine too. Okay. Um, but we'll we'll try and do that. So um, the the vote totals in the group right now, uh, the number one vote getter is Indiana Jones. Sweet. Uh, which I think is really great because we will get Indiana Jones 5 next year. 
Right. And um, then we can tie that into when that comes out. Um, and then it's a pretty close one between Lord of the Rings and John Wick. I think there's only one vote difference um, between the two of them. Uh, very sorry to scream in Star Trek, who did not. Um, and, uh, and Star Wars. Oh, excuse me. I am so sorry. Um, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars are actually tied. Mm. Um, I have not voted. I do not know if any of you have voted on this. Um, I have not. I have. But I will be glad to pick up John Wick if it doesn't win. Because <laughs> um, that's going to be the fourth one that's going to come out also next year. Oh, that is also true. Yeah, so that would be another good pickup. Well, actually, because they're filming the fourth and the fifth at the same time, right? Yeah, so maybe... I don't know, maybe maybe even save it for when the fifth one comes out. Or, no, that's or we a can good do it call. and then we can pick up the fifth when it comes out. I mean, it's it's a good call. Plus, we don't know how long movies are going to get pushed anymore. Uh, this is also true. So. Um, yeah, so, so Lord of the Rings and Star Wars are both tied. So we'll definitely do Indiana Jones. Um, that's five from the audience. Um Star Wars would be an additional 13, 12 or 13. I'm trying to, um, yeah, I'm trying to think how many other non, uh, non trilogy sagas there are. Um, but that or, or Lord of the Rings. And then the question for Lord of the Rings would be, is that, do we do the Rankin Bass one? Oh, do... don't you tempt me with my favorite animated films of all time. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like if we're going to do the franchise, it would be cool to do the, it, like, if there have been, like, that. that's the interesting thing about something like Star Trek or Star Wars is you get to see it get, like, remade and redone through time and and reinterpreted in different generations. So it could be interesting to to look at how Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings compares to those animated, the animated Lord of the Rings, or we do Star Wars, which feels like if we're committing to do Star Wars, that's going to be like a third of the year right there. Holy smokes. So I don't know um, if I could, I don't know if I can watch the first three again. I haven't seen any of the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings are great, and I, oh, I think you can leave The Hobbit out of those. I have fallen asleep every time I try to start watching them. It, they're just, I don't know. They've never gotten me, but I will sit through them for y'all. They can't be worse than The Power of One or most of the Blade movies. So <laughs> <laughs> It's true. The non-Guillermo uh, del Toro Blade. Yeah. Movie. Yep, totally. Okay. Um, cool. Well, okay. Uh, here's a call. Everybody who wants to rally behind Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, get in the comments and vote one of those two up if you want us to take it up. If not, um, I don't know. Maybe we take one of them. Maybe we take neither of them. Maybe we take both and one of us sort of adopts them. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, get in the comments. Vote. 
Uh, everybody get out and vote for real, too. Um, because if you don't, there might not be another election that actually lets us vote. So, mm. um, um, um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, who is doing your civic duty and voting. Um, anyway, um, just thank you all for joining us to talk about Toy Story 4. Thanks to um, Melissa, just this has been so delightful. Thank you for um, for choosing this and, and guiding us through this. This has been... Yay! Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll see y'all after Melissa gets back from her vacation. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Go, Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.